All right, just like that, another episode of One for the Table, reporting from beautiful, sunny, 75 degrees LA. My name is Kim Chi. And I am John Kung, reporting from beautiful, sunny Detroit. It is 55 degrees here, but oh colder my in my basement. Yeah. That's so cold. Do people live there? Yes, and we're happy. <laughs> you bitch. Uh, you don't sound very happy to me. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm perfect. I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> okay, um, I got to call myself up before we start. Um, last episode, when I was talking about Korean curry, I accidentally said um, the color is red. And then you corrected me and said, oh, what makes it red? And I'm like, no, I said yellow. And then I fully blamed your ADHD. I like re-listen to the episodes like after it comes out just to make sure everything sounds good, you know? And then I listen to that part. I'm like, oh my God. I just like gaslit John. Like fully. And I knew it too. (laughs) I knew it was happening and I just let it slide. Uh. (laughs) Wow. You should have fought me on it. You should have fought for your rights, your um, your sanity, your I wait, was I in tour when that happened? Because I probably like I yeah, I have no energy or stuff. I, like I had nothing. I have no fight in me when I was on my on that tour. First of all, I, I'm really glad that you have like a final listen for our own podcast to make sure everything we talk about is great and fine after we have posted it out and made it available to the public. <laughs> it's not. It's not the content that I'm like listening okay. to. It's just like the sound quality and everything. You know, just to make yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's true. That's good. But I think it's funny that we all both wait till like after it's published to like kind of check things. <laughs> well, just way. see, you it's know, fine. like something could have like gone wrong on like the publishing side, you know? Yeah. Like not on yeah, our yeah, part. Because, yeah. you know, some people like to follow up through our work, you know? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It might be your ADHD. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yes, you you are a gaslighting. And um, according to TikTok, now I'm a Zionist, apparently. <laughs> we don't have to talk about this on the podcast. Oh, it's... <laughs> you heard me here first. Just to give people some context to like what happened. Um, so when the Israel-Palestine stuff like first happened... Um, Biden like posted about like the um, hostages, and I just like reshared it without like thinking much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is before like we like knew much about like what's happening over there, you know? Right. Um, and I was like, "Oh my god, hostages! That's terrible!" And I shared it, and I just like didn't think much of it after. And then just this week, which I guess is almost like months later, month and a half later. Yeah. Um, someone on TikTok posted it saying like kimchi is sharing this like western propaganda um, and she's been like silent about the issue and um, you know, just all this stuff and then um, all this like flood of people just started calling me like Zionist and you know like and that eventually evolved to like people calling me like a killer and I'm like <sighs> oh. yeah the you know, like, in, so, you know, I, I should have done, like, more research on this subject before, you know, I shared it. But then also, like, I don't want to, like, publicly address this person either because I feel like... For sure. I mean, like, in a way, they... 
Especially, I mean, like, I, I saw the post and I saw the comments and the way that they absolutely are like, they were encouraging every kind of negativity that was directed at you uh, without giving you a chance to, like, I guess, explain yourself. Uh, they weren't mm-hmm. really concerned with your response. They were more concerned about the action of canceling you because they had an opportunity to, which seems totally clout chasey. Um, regardless of what what your politics are, like we all can agree that this has t- been taken t- like too far. That a ceasefire should absolutely happen, and you know, genocide mm-hmm. is wrong. Absolutely, but absolutely. at the same time, it's like it's so hard to. It's so hard to understand or to to know where the intentions are for content like this, where it comes from. And in the old days of TikTok, maybe like three years ago, this would have been content that would have been like considered to be like actual, a category, like call out content was like a category on TikTok. And it's so tired now because as we found out, every person that starts off content like this um, always ends up to be like a f- in a, the exact same realm of moral failing that they usually call out. It's usually the giving like the call is coming from inside the house, um, but only because like they caught you in this thing and they want to take advantage or like you know build a platform off of that. Uh, they're trying to take that opportunity to to do it. Um, the world of internet, the world of internet, and also. If someone says, you know, like people like that didn't like you before, now they have like a reason to like officially hate you, whether mm-hmm. regardless of um like um like a few years ago when there was like that whole controversy, like with the club posting like me canceling. Um mm-hmm. and I explained, you know, like that's actually not what happened. Um <laughs> yeah. but people didn't want to listen to what I had to say. They were just like so focused on canceling me you know and yeah. like they bring it up to this day and uh, it's just all exhausting just say you, you hate yeah. me and you want to see me that's dead, the thing you know that's like the thing on. like <laughs> it is okay to not like things and not like people it is okay to have an opinion on that and it's okay to base that off of just the fact that you don't like them you don't have to mm-hmm. morally justify not liking an artist or a person you can just say i don't like them you don't have to keep like trying to dive into something and look for some like mistake that they have seen see i told you they're a bad person when really like you're making a big thing out of absolutely nothing i was called ableist once because i made content being annoyed at picky eaters and i was like okay reading your baggage into someone else's content is completely your issue if i wasn't coming after people who had like actual mentally i don't even know what the uh mental condition is that makes you not really really like are repulsed by the different textures of food but if i'm talking about just somebody who just like you know his mother raised him on buttered noodles and they don't like anything besides that and pizza their whole lives like that that's not that's not me being ableist that's me talking about an ex-boyfriend who is perfectly fine and perfectly stupid. <laughs> I'm a texture person, my ultimate um, favorite yeah. thing that people say. I'm a texture person. It's like, well, I'm a texture person too. Right. <laughs> I don't eat sand. Mm-hmm. Just say you can't eat meat on a bone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just 
say you can't handle puddings or like right like grass jelly like you know oh so that was your day huh are you still dealing with that honestly i just haven't been like um i haven't like read further into it because like i don't want to feed into it you know like true you don't want to actually give like i know i'm not a scientist you either (laughs) right right it doesn't matter what i say even if i like try to like explain myself then it's going to be like you know people will find like things to like nitpick apart and like you know like if someone really doesn't like you and they can find like anything like you say and like twist it around and yeah, like uh, you know that one TikTok that I posted about like being rejected for coffee by the Line Hotel. Yeah, because my room was small. yeah. So at mm-hmm. the end of that, at the end of that video, like what I, what did I do at five in the morning when my hotel wouldn't give me coffee? I went out for coffee, and what was like the closest place that was still open over there? It was a Starbucks. I didn't know there was a boy- boycott. Um, and it was so easy. Like I just had one conversation with somebody in the comments. I was like, oh, is there? Bet. I'll go to 7-Eleven from now on. Like that's all I had to do. But then like, mm-hmm. I'm still getting messages saying like, hey, uh, what the hell is wrong with you? Aren't we boycotting Starbucks? Like, bitch, I didn't know when I made the video. And I'm not going to oh take God. the video down just because I was like ignorant to a situation. And just because, you know, like we're somewhat of figures like I'm online, people assume we're chronically online, you know, but that's not true either. It's not. Um, I remember um, I did like a sponsor post for NFT. And this is, mm-hmm. um, and this is like when first like NFTs like first came out and yeah. um, everyone's like, NFT is the future. And everybody's posting about like, you know, like NFT is the I way. I remember this. Um, but this is before this. like... You know, like, and that's all I saw on the media. And I'm like, okay, so right. it's like a cool thing. So like, I'll do it. And then after I posted it, you know, people were trying to cancel me. You know, like, and if he's like really bad for the environment. And when the comments Kim are G like, hates the earth. <laughs> like, I refuse to believe I'm Kim, who's like um, chronically online, you know, like didn't know about this. Um, just like a corporate grade and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, first of all, I am not chronically online. If you knew me, like, I am hardly right. online at all. <laughs> no, you're um, not. You're n- hardly on your phone and like just because you like have a couple of viral tweets on twitter every now and then doesn't mean you're chronically online yes which i'm not on twitter anymore, and also but, you know. and you know and i appreciate people that took time to like explain you know like why nfts were bad you mm-hmm. know so then you know i got to learn you know like why right how nfts are like terrible for the environment and all that and then there was just some people who were like, I always knew she couldn't be trusted. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's just like those extremes of people. And I'm like, I might start people... using that phrase every time I'm around you now. <laughs> I always knew she could be trusted. <laughs> but, you know, like, and so the, that's why, like, whenever quote unquote like celebrity like tries to get canceled. I always like try to give them like the benefit of doubt unless there's like hundred percent concrete proof. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes like, like you people know. just don't know and just, you know people just need to be educated. Yeah. Just going to the extreme to like cancel someone just based on something, you know, like without like hundred percent proof. A lot of it just comes from people's baggage. Like they want to make themselves feel better by making themselves feel like morally superior for knowing about a thing, believing about a thing before like somebody that they know of online does it. I mean, it's, it's, you see it everywhere. It's in every church. It's in every yoga studio. It's in every chat room. There's always somebody giving that like one on one uppity auntie energy 
who's just like, who's always just so much more holier than thou, that train of thought and that desire just to be better than other people for like the worst intentions runs through every aspect of our lives. If you deal with other people, then you're dealing with somebody like this. And the best thing to do is just simply not engage with them because they're in their hands just playing this game of like, who is the better person? But at the same time, it makes them like literally the worst people. Um, so, you know, as humanity, how do we progress? <laughs> I don't know. We move on. Have you eaten you know, anything interesting lately? Uh, humanity, we've managed to kill over what, like 10 million like pounds of crabs or something? Um, due to, wait, wait, what? Did you hear the news about this? No. Um, like snow crabs have been like non-fishing season for like a couple of years now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, because over like 10 million, I don't know if it's 10 million crabs or 10 million pounds of them like have just disappeared. Oh, for real? Um, yeah. Is it because of global warming? I think here. Uh, 10 million of the cold water loving crustaceans have disappeared between 2018 and 2021, which represents about 90% of the um, oh, Alaska's like, population of crabs. Mm-hmm. And um, scientists have discovered that they likely suffered a mass starvation event touched by the seasons of extreme ocean heat. Mm-hmm. That so makes sense. global warming. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. People don't really realize like how gloom and doom it is when it comes to like the ocean situation. Like you can't even get lobs people are people think like Maine lobster and like Boston mm-hmm. shellfish and stuff like that nobody nobody fishes for lobster in Maine anymore because the water in Maine is too hot all lobster comes in frozen even when you buy it in Maine and in like the northeast of the United States all of that has come in froze shipped and frozen from Canada now because Canada has water that is cold enough to actually the uh sustain lobster nowhere in very few places in the United States can we get shellfish like that anymore and it's because of global warming so sad and yet all these companies spend billions of dollars to <clears throat> tell people that global warming isn't real Right. Well, they could but have actually have money to fix global warming. <laughs> yeah. And like it's, it affects, it is going to affect our everyday lives. It is going to affect everybody. The only places, there are only like a handful of places in the world that will be like protected. Ironically, Detroit is one of them. Oh, okay. So Detroit is considered a climate haven among like a handful of other places. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure how many in the United States there are. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> we're sitting, we're sitting pretty here for now. And also I think a regular person has like, cannot grasp like what a big number 10 billion is. Mm. 10 billion is. That's a- like 10 billion, like as a number, like 10 billion actual things of like a- actual animals of a single animal. Like that is insane. That is like a ridiculous amount. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. And snow crabs used to be the thing, you know, like you go to Vegas buffet and you, you could load up on it. You just see, oh, just, you you know, just see those legs sticking up like everywhere. And you know, snow crabs might be a species that eventually becomes like endangered and, you know, we can't hunt them anymore. 
And like when we're old, it's like, remember back in the day when snow crabs were in the buffet lines? Now For if you sure. crab, like you could go to jail. <laughs> but like that's the, we see that like now it's like oysters are so much smaller than they used to be. Also mm-hmm. because of ocean acidification, oyster shells break so much easier. And so like a lot of people who like have a lot of growner, like older people remember oysters when they were like a, a, they were larger and they weren't so sandy. But one of the reasons why oysters are so sandy now, regardless of how you shuck them, I mean, like if you, if you shuck them really well, you can still avoid that. But a lot of it is just broken shell in there and you can't avoid that anymore because the shells of uh, the shells are so much more soft because the ocean is more acidic. And I love oysters. So basically, um, ocean is adding a little lemon juice to itself um, to flavor. Pretty these. much, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's actually like. I think it actually comes from carbon dioxide, like literally mm. turning into like fizzy water. That's crazy. Yeah, right. That's why the coral is dying too. So, what can people do to make a change to global warming? Well, you can start recycling. You know. Yeah. And don't do all these little things to reduce your carbon footprint. And yes, I understand the corporates are responsible for majority of, you know, like oh, the, the harm that's done to Earth. And I feel like the older I get, like the more like I understand like how hippies um, back in the day, like. <laughs> oh, totally. The thing is, um, like everything, everything that they were talking about. Um, quote unquote, like those stereotypical hippies of like the nineties and stuff, they got made fun mm-hmm. of so much, but really like they knew what the fuck they were talking about. And that reason why they got made fun of so much is because, you know, the media and corporate media had to rail on their message and make them look stupid mm-hmm. because it hurt their bottom line, even though what they were doing was actually like in the right, their hearts were in the right place. And they did that by adding a ton of like toxic masculinity to it and literally thinking like, oh, if you care about the earth or recycling and stuff like that, that's gay or that is feminine. And that was like a super effective freaking hippie who likes little soy boy. And it's like, it was so Mm -hmm. effective at like altering how so many people see the messaging that, you know, it's the same it's the same thing about like how straight men will not wash their own butts because they think it's gay. Like it's they they re- they don't yes. recycle for the same reason. I'm thinking like I might bring like a hippie era to kimchi now just do like hippie looks all the time. That would be so cute. Um, carry around a so peace cute. sign. Yeah. Or, that would be I love that. I mean that's such a look too. Like mm-hmm. if you if you go back into it um or or like tap into uh oh god what's her name? Who do, who do I think of? Uh, Lana Del Rey, I feel like. <laughs> She's like the Stevie modern Nicks. Look. No, I think of Stevie, Stevie Nicks. Nicks. Stevie oh, fucking Nicks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just below a captains. Mm-hmm. And then just a lot of like 70s silhouettes. Yeah. Long hairs, head. You know, we might, we might be, you might be onto something here. I think I'm going to enter my hippie era. Yay. I love it. I'm over Ten. being I'm over being grand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Just outfits made out of like <laughs> No, but imagine this, you know, like drag outfits made out of like recycled thrifted outfits. Yeah. Instead of buying like new materials, um or like sequins that are harmful yeah. for the environment. 
One um, aesthetic that I'm really into is actually called solar punk. And it's like Mm -hmm. the opposite of steampunk, but it's like, you know, eco-conscious, utopia. It's very much like the, you know, like the fields in the field scenes and the flower scenes in like um, Howl's Moving Castle. Mm -hmm. And then you still see like some kinds of like utopian machinery in the background. That's solar punk. I think that's such a vibe. Oh. Where it's like tech for the sake of the earth and vice versa. Like, I love that. It's so much like brighter and happier too. Solar punk. I'm going to look it up real quick. You know which aesthetic um, for home decor that I recently learned is totally my style and I didn't realize there was like an official like word for it? Mm. Grand millennial. Grand millennial. I need to... Yeah. That sounds like an alcohol... Uh, <laughs> grand millennial. If you look at like Google Images and Grand Millennial, that's like what I think my apartment looks like. <laughs> oh, that's real. That is you. Oh my God. That's so cute. Right. Uh, so, like, Grand Millennial is very, like, kind of like Wes Anderson pastels, totally. whimsy. Like, every, mm-hmm. it's, it's very, like, it's, it's organized clutter. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it very much. Very me. And nowadays with every piece I purchase for my home, whether it's like a kitchenware or like homeware, I'm just imagining my future home in this all grand millennial aesthetic. Right. Did you look up solar punk? Actually, I realized just now that my uh, my office kind of gives that because of the way that my plants are all set. Like that. Oh, Totally. <laughs> You know, solar punk reminds me of like Final Fantasy. Yes, it's that. It's, like it's Final Fantasy after. Yes. Or someone even say the rich part of Hong Kong <laughs> or Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Oh my gosh, those like right? machine trees in Singapore. Yeah. Or like that one mall in Hong Kong. I forgot what it's called, like Rosewood or something like that. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that mall is stunningly beautiful. Yeah, I guess that uh, that I guess solar punk. Yeah, it's very it's solar. Oh yeah, totally. It actually shows like solar punk humanism. Those trees in Singapore. Although I don't know if those trees are actually functional. Mm, they look pretty. I know. No, oh, I'm a Singapore. Oh, me too. But I don't miss the heat. <laughs> I don't mind it because like when everybody's wet, it's just like every when everybody's sweaty, mm-hmm. it doesn't even matter anymore. Like. See, I, I don't go into even a like subway. Everyone smells like sour. <laughs> no, my thing is, um, there's so much good food in Singapore, mm-hmm. but also like a lot of the food are all at like an outside like stall. Yeah, it's hard to be hungry when it's that uncomfortable. Exactly. So it's like I want to enjoy my food, but then I have no appetite. Yeah, which is probably why they can have like such good food there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's different if I actually like lived there. That too, but also like. People in Singapore are pretty for considering the food there is just so good and plentiful and accessible and just rich. Like mm-hmm. they're not they don't they're pretty trim. <laughs> they sweat literally they sweat they it all out. <laughs> literally like they sweat it all out. Sweat I'm it sure. all out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Same with Taiwan. Yeah, Taiwan as well. I think like there is something to the fact that people are just like in humid climates, they just sweat so much and that's why their food is so salty, but they can still like for the most part eat it and not Mm -hmm. have like hypertension. Well, they do have hypertension and stuff like that there, but 
I feel like if they've, if for as salty as that food is, there should be more and it should be more common. And I truly think that because they sweat it all out just so much on a daily basis, it makes a big difference. I wonder what the laundry culture is there. Like, do people have their laundry machines in the home usually or? Uh, most of them in, in Hong Kong. Or like hand wash. They dry their clothes. They hang dry their mm. clothes, which is messed up because your clothes never truly get dry. It's really annoying. On a random note, speaking of laundry culture, you know what I was like shocked by? What? In UK, it's like a common thing for most people to have washer and dryer in their kitchen. Uh-huh. Because that's where the water intake is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which like, I guess, you know, me being an American and so... Also, um, that their laundry machines are like one unit. One unit does both the washing and the drying and it's kind of mm-hmm. annoying in a way because it takes like anywhere like four plus hours to do one load of laundry. What? Yeah. It's it's not so bad. It's really mostly like a lifestyle change where it's like, mm-hmm. you know. You wash your clothes every day kind of a deal? Yeah, or? you wash your clothes every day. You literally like, I, when I used to have a unit like that and what I would do is because those units were so small, you couldn't even do a full load of laundry anyway. You would just like, I would take off my outfit and put it straight, no hamper, put it straight into the laundry machine and run it. And by the next, Mm -hmm. and by like the end of the day, the outfit was like dried, washed and dried. Um, So with some advanced planning, it would actually be kind of convenient, but it's definitely not for the same reasons that, or, or, or not the same way of living as we're used to here, where everything is so much faster. Yeah. And here we just like pile laundry on and then we're like, all right, I guess I'm going to need some clothes tomorrow. You yep. power wash everything in an hour. <laughs> yep. Actually, 45 minutes is how much my laundry machine takes. My laundry machine is so fast now because I went from using one of those all-in-one things up until recently and I bought a high-end LG one here and I absolutely love it. It's so nice. And when you get used to having an in-unit laundry, and my heart goes out to anyone who's listening to this that lives in a place where the laundry's in a separate part New of York. the building, or you live in New York, um, but as someone who's that's rough, to have man. a in-unit laundry and machine, it truly is a game changer to my yeah. life. I will say when it's nice. Like, mm-hmm. In New York, it's nice because laundromats like... It's not comparatively as expensive to have laundromats do your laundry by the pound in New York. Yeah. But that being said, like, and so it is nice to just like on your way home, just pick up your laundry and it's like all nicely folded for you. Um, mm-hmm. That's really cool. I like that. When I used to live in um, Boys Town in Chicago, so my apartment wasn't a fourth floor building, like no elevator. So you like woke up the stairs. Mm-hmm. But um, each unit had like a high ceiling, so like one stair was actually like double. Oh, so oh, damn! It almost felt like I was like living on like the eighth floor. Yeah, and then the laundry was in another building where oh, I had no. to like take all my laundry down all the floors, and then go into another building. But you have to go in through like the alleyway, and it's in the very back. So yeah. it takes like a good ten fifteen minutes just to get to the laundry. Um. So then I eventually um, discovered a service that comes in, like, pick up your laundry and then, like, washes it and brings oh, it back nice. to you the next day. And it, it was pricey, um, but 
that was like w- worth it for me because I was like oh, working for sure. a lot at the time. That's like a couple of hours and in your day. It's more than a couple of hours, you know. Just if I have to do more than one load, and I, you know, it's just a lot of hassle. Right. Anyways, in unit laundry. Ever since then, <laughs> I'll only like live at places that has an in unit washer and dryer. Me too. So. <laughs> we are so privileged. People that are listening to this probably hate us. Well, I just that doesn't have an unit washer and dryer. So, anyways, um, yeah, yeah. With the program, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, uh, let's take a quick break. Okay. And we're back. Hi. Hi. <laughs> So there's this really good snack that I tried this week. Um, it was at, it was actually at your book signing in LA. Oh my God, is it Yay's? Yeah, so um, I was hanging out with my friend Pete, um, Pete Eats on social mm-hmm. media. He's an amazing um, food content creator. And these two guys came with Pete, said hi, and then they gave him like a packet of the snack. And Pete's like, I've already tried this. You need to try it. And he gave me the bags. And so it is um, Cambodian style... Beef jerky. It's so good. Um, Wait, hold on. Hold on. Let me show you something. <laughs> like, I have so many. Oh, you have so much of them. It's so good. <laughs> I have a secret drawer of them. When I tried it, um, I was also, like starving at the time because um, I was waiting for John to finish so we could go eat with him. Um, <laughs> that worked out really well. Uh, which he didn't because he was so tired, which I completely understand. So I didn't question it. <laughs> But anyways, um, but I ate the whole bag because it was so delicious. And I was like, oh my God, these snacks are so good. Like, where can I buy more? Oh, he's like, oh, we're the snack gays. And somehow I heard snack gays. Snack gays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's and funny. I don't think they're gay. <laughs> they're not. They're definitely um, not. They're super sweet. Mm-hmm. And yeah. since we're talking about it, I'm going to buy some more now because on the offset that actually this somebody hears this episode and buys a whole bunch and they run out, I'll be so mad. Yeah, because I actually, um, right on the spot, I had to order more. <laughs> yeah. They were so good. So, they were... so normal beef jerky is thick and it's kind of like chewy, almost like leathery. Yeah. But this one, um, I think it was like his grandma's recipe or something. Each of the piece of beef jerky is laid out like super, super flat, almost like paper thin. Yeah. And then it's cooked, so it's super crispy. So it's almost like eating They're a like beef chips. chip. They're like beef jerky chips. And then, They're so good. And they have like a little heat to them because it's like spiced with chili. Mm-hmm. Seriously, like the entire bag, like I downed it so fast. And now I'm waiting for my order to get here so I can have more of it. Yep. I am essentially, I'm yeah, I'm buying a whole bunch of it right now because I don't. And this is completely unsponsored too. It's just so good. It's Yay's, Y-A-Y apostrophe S. Um, and yeah, they are my favorite like beef jerky. It, it's, it's, it, you can't really even describe it as beef jerky because they're just so crispy and delicious. It's like beef chip. Yeah. The guy who made it up is a YouTuber, actually. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um, his channel is... I forgot. I forgot. At John's book reading, there were so many fine Asian men there. I'm like, oh my god, god. so many cute people. Oh, it was so very. Oh my god. Focus. San Francisco why is my was even so like, it, why is my butthole so itchy right now? <laughs> the San Francisco guys were the guys at San Francisco were even like 
there's they were really cute as well. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Yes. Banam for me. No, but you went to BCD, which is even better. It was great. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of like a okay, K-Town people, you know, they love to be like foodie snaps, like, oh, BCD is trash. It is not trash. Why? Because, you know, it's popular. A lot of people go there. You know, people's like tendency to just like hate on popular things. Yeah. But, you know, so dumb. maybe be, it's BCD like the best in the business. Maybe not, but... No, but it's exce- it, it's um, 24 hours and accessible. It's like the consistency is always there. You know, like the quality. Yeah. It's like above average. And like a lot of times like when you know go to restaurants like that are like late night, the quality is like questionable. Um, The service is questionable. For BCD, they'll get you everything you need. <laughs> yeah. And the taste is always consistent. And, uh, you know, you can't deny them that. And sometimes like after late night... Sometimes I don't want to like take a risk at like a questionable place, you know? Right, right. Because like going to a new place is actually like it's it's a, it's not a zero amount of mental work. Sometimes you know having a staple and a reliable like nobody's going to Chipotle to like have their mind blown for a new frontier of food. What do you mean? Oh, that's right. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk. I didn't mean to talk <laughs> shit about your boo like that. How could you? <laughs> I trusted you. I knew you couldn't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because um, Chipotle every now and then do put out like a new menu item. Um, but then like I try not to get like attached to them because um, if I do like them, you know, it eventually gets discontinued and we don't see it for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, like they had, they had like brisket. Um for meat, like, thing. And that was, like, yeah. really good. Um, They had chicken al pastor, which, like, a lot of people loved. And then, that, of course, that got discontinued. Um, and now they're doing carne asada, which is pretty good. Um, I think I like their regular steak better. But um, I'm sure that would be, like, swapped out, too. <laughs> Isn't it, like, a seasonal, the seasonal stuff that, that makes it special or whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's like McRib. I think it's a disgusting sandwich. Mm-hmm. But when it's back, everyone's like, oh my God, the McRib is back. Or Ooh. the Shamrock Shake. You've eaten at Bonnie's, like, right? Bonnie's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you have their Chassis yeah, McRib? Really we actually good, talked right? about it on the podcast. <laughs> oh, we did? Oh, that's okay. Unless I'm gaslighting you, but I remember talking about their um, It could be. Well, you are. You have been known to gaslight me. So, you know, for all I know. Oh, one time. One time. <laughs> You've been gaslighting me my entire life. Your entire life? We've been friends for like seven years. We've been friends for way longer than that. Have we? What year is it? Um... We became friends in 2016. So I guess seven years. <laughs> Somebody save me from this friendship. <laughs> the hell? But you know, that's a, good chunk of, that's a good chunk of my life. And I don't give my time of the day to many people. <laughs> Actually, I'm really proud of so myself wanna... for guessing that. I had no idea. I don't want to say you should be so lucky. <laughs> 
Oh, just kidding. Um, I give myself <sighs> to a lot of people. <laughs> mm. So, um, what we're talking about? Oh, the um. Anyways, Snack Gaze, great. John's yes. book signing, great. Um, yes. Oh, how was the Chicago stop of your book tour? Honestly, it was it was amazing, and I didn't no shade to Chicago. I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Um, mm-hmm. But it was probably the nicest time. And I was spent the least amount of time there. Is it always those cities where you spend the least amount of time that you have like the strongest affinities with? Yeah, I think, well, no, I think it was, you know, I was in New York for almost like a week and a half. I feel like it's, it was like a week and a half I was there. And then I was in LA for three days. I was on the West Coast for like a week total. I think being on either coast, like I didn't realize how much I just mid, uh, how much I missed Midwest people. Mm-hmm. Um, because after like living here, you're just used to you're just used to people acting a certain way. So like by the time I got to Chicago, and everyone was just like so friendly and so nice and so warm, and I was just like, oh damn, okay, um, I missed this a whole bunch. Didn't hurt that the hotel was like crazy nice. Um, I don't know if it was my publisher or the fact that like their head chef like recognized me. I might have they might have given me like an upgrade to like one of their suites, so it was like really really nice. Um, and then I ate at Lula Cafe after, and the food there was really really good, and the chef was really nice. And actually, we might like we were we were just said it in passing, but I was like I would do a pop up here. Um, if they oh, would, Lula if Cafe they and um, on the west side, yeah. Like, oh, I love that place. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I might, I, I, I said I, I would do a pop up here. I ate there. Like I just had a quiet dinner after my event by myself because it was right next to the bookshop that I, that I um did my event at, and like people there was mm-hmm. again like super super. There were people that drove all the way from like Milwaukee to Chicago Aww. to see me. They brought me cheese curds and beer. It was I was just like, oh man, this was so nice. I am so glad that it was my last stop because if Chicago was like the first stop and informed the rest of the tour, I think I would have come back like a battered and broken person. <laughs> Why? I mean, the people on people on the other coast treated you really well. Oh, no, 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 no. Like the people that came to see me everywhere treated me really nice. It was just like the matter, the situation of like where I stayed. Oh, uh, the hotel, like the hotels, yeah. Was completely different. Like the hotels were not... The ho- like New York hotels are just like infamously just not nice in general, but like that one had radiator heat, so it was like hard to breathe in there. And then like the LA hotel, we already know that situation. They like destroyed my favorite sweater. I'm so mad. No, for some that. for some reason, people that's never been to Chicago, when I tell them what a great place Chicago is to live in, like they oh, all like actually so shocked and surprised. Yeah, but like everybody like, Chicago knows, Chicago is a great place to live. Yeah, it's like. So, like, New York for sure is a, you know, world-class city, an amazing city and everything. But, like, Chicago is, like, oh, the same kind of city, but, like, so much more livable. Yeah, so first of all, Chicago has alleyways, which keeps all the garbage in the alleyway. So -hmm. the city itself is really clean. You don't have to, like, jump over, like, bags of garbage bags to, like, cross the street. Mm-hmm. Um, the living cost is like a fraction of like what it is in so much LA or New York. 
So and like you get more space. Um, And also the lakeshore is so beautiful. Um, It's modeled after the um, the Grand Central Park, but Mm -hmm. it's like off the um, the Chicago beaches. Um, If you like bike or run down Chicago lakeshore, I think there's over like twenty beaches on there, and there's like a dog beach, um, (laughs) gay beach. I uh, so I, find, I I figured out the, the 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 sentence that I was trying to say before. New York as a city is a great place to be. Chicago as a city is a great place to live. That's what I was trying yes, to say. For sure. I mean, like I again love 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 New York City, but like Chicago is special in the sense that like it's still like it's the public transit pleasant. is great in Chicago. Yeah, it's pleasant. Oh. I, you know, I lived like 13 years in Chicago, but I, I still miss it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if um, if you, it's still like definitely a personality type for you to like, if you, if you still prefer LA, then there's nothing that Chicago has that can match up to that. Cause there are just some things that, things that LA has that no other city has and it's understandable. Well, at this point, my life is in LA because like all my friends are here now, you know? <laughs> yeah. And cool, um, and more and more, it's mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are moving over there, and it's so inconvenient. <laughs> LA is actually a great place to live. I mean, it has its issues, um, but mm-hmm. like overall, like I love living in LA. Do you hear how they like cleaned up the homeless thing in San Francisco in like one day because the Chinese premier was going there? What? Yeah. Well, where did all the homeless people go? I don't know. But like they cleaned, they literally cleaned up the streets because Xi Jinping was like visiting there. It happened like a couple of days ago or yesterday, and people all over the all over social media was just like, "Hey, why don't we send them to some other cities too?" Because apparently that's what it takes for you to actually do something about this problem. It's crazy. So don't the know where they another, went. The China solve another of America's problem. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yet Americans are in denial about the influence right. of Asia. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is going to get us more hate than the Israel-Palestine probably had. <laughs> probably. Like, you know, people are going to be calling us communists in the comments. Gavin Newsom literally <laughs> admitted it to it also. Like, he literally said, like, yes, this is why we did it. Um, but, like, we had been, blah, 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 we've been planning on this for a long time. I was like, man, you know, like... I don't know what is stopping people over there from dealing with that problem, but it's it's bad. And also, like all the, the amount of like car break-in crimes, like at least just what I see on um, social media. Yes, I get their think like, open in. and also like a lot of my friends that live there have got their car window crushed many times. Yeah. That is a fact of life over there. I think that people just deal with, they have to be like a lot more careful about what they leave in their cars. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I said, like I had spoken to you about, like it it doesn't seem as bad as, uh, well, San Francisco in general doesn't seem as bad as Seattle or Los Angeles just by me being there, just by what I've seen over there. So it might've been just an easier situation to clean up in, in a couple of days too. Hmm. I'm genuinely curious to see like where they um house all the homeless people. I don't know either. That's scary to think about. Yeah. 
But I guess we will never know because mm. <laughs> they dealt with that. You know. Um, America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on that note, should he answer some listener questions? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Do you have any? Do you have any open? Uh, let me pull one up. Hi, question for the pod. I am new to MSG and want to start using it regularly in cooking. How do you use MSG? Is it like salt where you add it to basically everything? Or is it more reserved for a specific type of food? Thank you. So I wouldn't sprinkle MSG on top of things like salt simply because like it's such a distinct flavor that like that's all you're going to taste when you get a bite of it in your food and it's very concentrated. MSG is like salt in the sense that you can add it to things while you're cooking them, like a soup before it's finished or a sauce or even like something like mashed potatoes as you're doing it. But it's actually not that hard to add it to anything. If it's going to be salty or savory, you can add MSG to it. Um, the trick is, is to not think of it like salt. Because if, if you add it into food the way you add salt into food, you're going to add too much of it. We're talking about like pinches, like tiny, tiny pinches of MSG at a time for like pretty large portions of, for like a meal for two. Um, And it's like salt in the way that like if all you taste, if all you taste in your food is salt, then you've added too much to it. As soon as you can distinctly taste MSG in your food, that's when you pretty much know that you've added too much. So what I would do first is I would put a little bit of MSG MSG on my tongue so I know what it tastes like. So as I add it to food, the closer you get to that flavor in whatever it is you're cooking, which is pretty much like it tastes like a ramen packet or Doritos, um, that's when you know you had too much to it. It's really good to pair with salt in the sense that if you add MSG to something along with salt, you don't need to add anywhere near as much salt as you normally would have. So if you're trying to cut salt out of your diet, a little bit of MSG and like a quarter of the amount of salt that you were going to use is actually really helpful. And this is personally how I use MSG. Um, So when you're cooking any like soup or anything, I use like half the amount of salt and then maybe I'll use like the other half with the MSG. But again, like you want to taste as you go because you don't want to add too much to it. Yeah. And also when you taste like the straight up like MSG, like straight up the packaging, you're going to be like, oh, so that's where that flavor in like Doritos and all these come from. Like, yeah, like, you'll know, it's very distinct. Um, And the easiest way to use MSG is scrambled eggs. Yeah. When Mm -hmm. you're scrambling some eggs, um, just add like a little little kiss of MSG and you're going to get a so much tastier egg. And also when I'm making sushi, kimbap or sushi rice, um, mm-hmm. when you're mixing like rice, wine, vinegar, and sugar, instead of salt, um, in Korea we use this thing called masogum, which is like a salt mixed with MSG. Mm-hmm. And that just like gives that little extra 2%. Yeah. And any kind of like sauces of oil or oils and stuff, like I add it to my ginger scallion oil, um, not to the oil itself. When you chop up like ginger and scallions, you add a little bit of salt to that. You add a little bit of MSG to it. And that's how you can get like restaurant quality 
Ginger Scallion. If you are making something that you're trying to, and actually like Joanne, the Korean vegan was telling me this about her, I think it was a stew. I'm not sure if it was her Budejigae, but it might've been. She was trying to recreate like restaurant quality Korean stew. And literally all she had to do was like add just a touch of MSG to what she was already doing. And it was like as good. And that's generally how you get there. <laughs> like you want to get good restaurant qualities, blank and blank, and it's salty and savory. There's just like the slightest touch of MSG in there. And that's how you get there. There's a story that my grandmother used to tell me. Um, there was like a newlywed who wanted like the flavors of her uh, mother-in-law. And the mother-in-law mm-hmm. like would not tell her no matter what. And then mm-hmm. finally on her deathbed, um, she asked one last time, like, please, before you pass away, I have to know your secret. Um, and then she whispered with her last words, scoop full of MSG. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, so good. So MSG, honestly, it doesn't hurt. You can just buy like a small amount um, and it lasts forever. Yeah, like a pan, so, like one of those small panda shakers or medium-sized panda shakers from Aji Ajinomono. Like, I'd, I've had it for for like a year or something. I haven't made a dent in that stuff. Also, um, they actually make like MSG shakers now too. Omsum. Oh, do they? Omsum. Yeah, Omsum. Um, oh, cool. Omsum. You know, like the brand that sells like um, pre-made Asian sauces. The sauces. Yeah, well, love them. Look at this um, salt and pepper shaker. So they have one for... It comes in like a wooden block with like cool print on it. Mm-hmm. And you get three of them. So there's salt, pepper, and MSG. That's so cute. I love it. So, you know, if you have like soup table side, sprinkle in a little MSG for your nerve. And also, I feel like some people... You know how some people love the flavor of salt? Yeah. I feel like... People also, some people love the flavor of like MSG. Yeah. So here's some new Because it's attached to so many out. foods that we love. So hear me out. What? Flaky MSG. Flaky MSG? I think that might be too much. Yeah, but it's for the people. We can try that love it. it. Love it too much. <laughs> kind of like a flaky sea salt. Flaky but salt, but flaky a little MSG. flaky MSG. For that concentrated MSG, pow pow. It's so funny too, because like, have you looked at MSG close close up? They look like crystals. They do. I mean, it is crystals. Yeah. Like, like it is crystals, but they look like kind of like shards of glass, like dust. Like it, it's very pretty actually to look at MSG up close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, MSG, get into it. Get into it. Okay, so next question is: Do you, both of you, prefer? Half sour or full sour pickles and why? I don't know if I've ever had like a half sour pickle. I was about to say that. I don't I don't think I've ever seen half sour. Like I've had and like I don't think pickles, pickles are all that sour. I think they're salty. Mm-hmm. And like I don't zesty. think they're all that sour. Yeah. What have I had that is like what is what 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 is a half sour pickle? I have no idea. Like like you said, like I would think, like sweet and salt, like like spicy and uh, spicy and sweet pickles. I love those, like bread and butter pickles. I love bread and butter tip pickles. Do you um, prefer sweet pickles or like sour pickles? Oh, I'm. Is it basic that I really like a sweet pickle? 
No, it's not basil. I really like a sweet and spicy pickle. Like I like them. I, I like them to be hot, and and mm. if they're crunchy, oh my god, I can just snack on those right out of the bowl. Oh, I remember um, back in the day, and this, I think this is very controversial because um, but back in the day, you can, at Walmart you can get a huge, huge sour pickle for mm-hmm. like two dollars and nineteen cents. And I think that was like controversial because like the place like wasn't making any money on it, but they didn't want to lose the business at Walmart and blah blah blah. But oh. anyways, I remember because um, we were young and poor, um, <laughs> our family didn't have a lot of money. Um, but my mom would buy me the jar of pickle because it was like so cheap, and yeah. then I'll just eat like that pickle for like snack. Yeah. Um, but then I'd um, run it underwater, so it was like less saltier. So I'm eating like less salty. Oh, that's actually healthier. a good idea. I thought about like trying to make a like sugar-free or sweetener, uh, sweet and sour and spicy pickle. No, oh. because it, it, it would work. I, I know it would work. So in the early two thousands, um, pasta was first being introduced, um, like to the general public. Like even in the nineties, pasta was considered like super fancy food. What was uh, nowadays? You can get pasta like anywhere. Pasta. pasta? Yeah. Pasta. Yeah, like pasta dishes. In the 2000s? Really? Like too, like the math, the math says, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know pasta ever had to get popular. In Korea. So, oh, in Korea. Oh, in Korea. I yeah. thought you were talking about in the United States. I was like, really? No, no, no. In Korea. Because <laughs> in, <Korea. laughs> um, in the 90s, like the... Um, the People regarded like pasta as like a super fancy food and something like you'll need like a mm-hmm. special day. Yeah. And a lot of times um Korean people didn't like enjoy pasta because they felt it was like too rich for them. Mm-hmm. So then Italian restaurants started serving sweet pickles like on the side of like the pasta. Oh. Um, so people could eat more of it. So now in Korea, whenever you see like a pasta restaurant, you'll always get pickles on the side. Oh, that's kinda kind of cool. Became, I like, like that. Wait, did Korea ever go more. through like a spaghetti craze or a spaghetti phase? Um, I feel like in like 2015, like all the dog pocket place now you can like get like spaghetti as like part of like the top oh, thing. Okay. Um, I feel like in Hong Kong and the Philippines, or maybe mm-hmm. by extension, like the Philippines, like we went through like a heavy, heavy, like people were into spaghetti in like the 90s and the 80s, mm-hmm. the late 80s, early 90s. Like Hong Kong was all about we had like a spaghetti house was like a hong kong restaurant chain it was crazy oh my god (laughs) yeah and nowadays everybody so in the 90s it was about like the tomato pasta and then like early Mm. 2000 it was about the cream pasta Mm. nowadays everyone's all about the oil pasta like the pestos and the like the ali alios um yeah yeah yeah. you know like um and i guess like the most like recent file recipe that everybody in Korea is doing is um the brie cheese pasta. I was just thinking about doing that. Wait, what do they do? What is it? So you you take a piece of brie and you cut it into little pieces, uh-huh. and you take baby tomato, cut it in half, uh-huh. and you take garlic, and then add it to a bowl. You cook spaghetti, and while it's hot, you add it into the bowl, and then you like mix it all up. And the heat of the pasta oh. melts the brie cheese and turns into a sauce. Yeah. And then you add um, like arugula and balsamic glaze after, I think. 
Um, so yeah, this is like the viral recipe that everybody in Korea is making. That's so interesting. This morning when I was walking home from my workout, I was like wondering if anybody did, you know, the Parmesan wheel, like putting, making the pasta in that, in, in the wheel yeah. of Parmesan. I was like, would anybody ever do it with a thing of heated brie and just like dump some noodles into a big, into a small I, wheel I, of I've brie? Seen that, I've seen that on TikTok. You have? I was yeah. like, that would be so rich, but like that would be... That would be something that I could have literally just one bite of, but that would be a good mm-hmm. bite. A good decadent bite. Yeah. You know, what kind of sauce do you prefer for your pasta? Um, I like... I like a really, really simple one. Just like, a, I think it's an oil base, but like lots of like sun-dried That's tomatoes how I'm too. <laughs> and seafood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, and I don't think they mix tomato and seafood. Do they? Oh, uh, they, they do. Yeah. 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 Just a little bit, just a little bit of oil and like lots of like bold flavored ingredients. But that mm-hmm. being said, it's still, I still have not had like a creamy pasta Alfredo since like I was a child. And I still think that if I had one soon, like I would love it. But it's gotten to the point where it's like the memory of it tastes so good in my head that I'm f- afraid that if I try it, I'll ruin the memory. So like, I have to wait till like, I get to a place that's really, really good at making like a creamy pasta. That's really funny you say that because, um, you know, I'm like an oil pasta girl through and through nowadays, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like when I was a kid, we ate like marinara with like Parmesan cheese. Mm-hmm. So that was like cheap to do. But then Alfredo was something that I could like only get when I like ever ate out. Yeah. Um, so to me, like in my head, like it's like a special thing. Yeah. So the other day when I went to Olive Garden, I was like, all right, chicken Alfredo, I'm going to get it to see. You never take me to Olive Garden. (laughs) Of all the places in LA, I think Olive Garden would be like the last place I'll take you. But if you want to (laughs) go, we can go. Um, but oh my, and also before I get sidetracked, um, Oh, I'm getting sidetracked now. Did you know that you can buy an entire bucket of soup at Olive Garden for nineteen? I saw your TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> I saw your TikTok. So I posted that on my Instagram story. Oh, Instagram. Okay, reason, that story got more shares and um, like views than any other Instagram story that I've ever posted in my life. That is crazy because I did see that and I thought it was a TikTok uh, in my in my memory. It was a TikTok, but it's funny that it was like a the your most viral Instagram story. But I'm like, why does this story have so many views? Like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> Are people like secretly reading you or? <laughs> no, I, think, I think they're just like sharing the fact that it's like, you know, the soup pack or whatever. Yeah. I think people just love, I think people love Olive Garden, but at least a lot of the people in our circle would never admit it. <laughs> I haven't been. I would go. But anyway, do you so think Olive Garden? I tried it. Uh huh. Garbage. Oh no. It felt like I was eating like I mean, if you like Fettuccine Alfredo from Olive Garden, that's like all you, I support you, live your life. <laughs> to me, it, it just didn't have like enough flavor. I felt like I was just eating like cream. Fatty fatty creamy noodles. But oh, there just wasn't enough flavor. Bad. Do you think the Cheesecake Factory would have better Alfredo pasta? Pasta Alfredo Alfredo. Mm, if I go to Cheesecake Factory, that would be the last thing I would order, but probably. Oh. Hmm. Maybe we should try for to, me. Maybe we should look to see like where 
we could find the best creamy pasta dish and then go and try it. And from like a chain, or like a chain, a chain, or even like I don't know. I would fly to New York, eating nothing but fettuccine Alfredo all year long. Except you would die by like month two. (laughs) I think I'll get sick up by day two. (laughs) Yeah. Like when I go to Cheesecake Factory, like I'm getting the avocado egg rolls or oh. the buffalo blasters and then um, Sheila's salad. Huh. I've been to Cheesecake Factory once and I don't remember what I ordered. The very first location of Cheesecake Factory is actually in LA. No. Yes. I'm probably wrong. I think it's actually... Hold on. I I know for a fact you're wrong because uh, I I I had this conversation with somebody. Oh, here we go. I knew it. Oh, it's no, Detroit. Right. <laughs> no, it's Beverly Hills, California. Nope. If you look at the Cheesecake was- Factory website history, the Cheesecake Factory story begins in Detroit, Michigan, in 1940s. Oh, in the 1940s, the, the one I'm looking at says it was 1978. And he opened the first Cheesecake Factory restaurant in Beverly Hills, California. So that happened in, yeah, in their thing in 1972 with their children grown. They packed up everything and moved to LA to make one last attempt at owning their business. And so they opened it in 1978. And every Cheesecake Factory after that was based on that thing. But the original people opened the original Cheesecake Factory in Detroit, which is... Why I always thought I was like that's what I always thought the Cheesecake Factory was like a Michigan brand, but it just started in Michigan. Well, I guess technically neither were wrong. Neither of us are. I'm just technically right, which is the best kind of right. Well, what's the first restaurant that they opened? Was it called Cheesecake Factory? The first location that was called Cheesecake Factory, but this everything about it was started in in Detroit. There's one in China. Oh. Yeah, there's Beijing, Shanghai, two in Shanghai, three in Shanghai, Chengdu, Hong Kong, Macau. Damn. Damn. Let's see. Speaking of things that I wish would finally open, Popeye's, not Popeye's, but Jollibee can like (laughs) hurry up and open their Sterling Heights location already. They've only been... Promising for like the past five years or something. No, so what what opened in the 1940s was actually a bakery, but the actual Cheesecake Factory restaurant is in Beverly Hills, California. Yes. The people that opened the Cheesecake Factory originally had this cheesecake shop in Detroit. That's the story. But it wasn't a restaurant back then. So yes, we are both technically correct. <laughs> but either way, why were you even arguing about Cheesecake Factory? <laughs> I don't know, but it's fun for me. It's fun for me. Yeah. Actually, oh, the, original, the original Cheesecake Factory that opened in Beverly Hills was actually called the Cheesecake Factory Bakery, and they were still just sold cheesecakes back then. Mm. Well, guess what? Madonna's <laughs> from Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Tyler Oakley is from Michigan. Kim Chief from Michigan. I'm what do these have in common? I'm actually from LA. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> They're all in LA. <laughs> Works up for Madonna. But. Elaine Stritch is from Michigan. Elaine Stritch is from Detroit. Elaine Stritch. And is does she live in LA favorite. now? No, she's she's dead. Probably. She she, she died in Birmingham. Oh, yeah. 
but she's actually my favorite know. Detroit celebrity or celebrity out of Detroit because she's like mm. freaking legendary. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our podcast for the week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Um, if you have any more listener questions, submit them at one for the table. That is at one number for the table. And John's book, Kung Fu, is now out in the stores or wherever you buy your books from. Support your local bookstore. But if you don't have a local bookstore near you, well, don't message us on Instagram bitching about how privileged we are to have a bookstore near us. <laughs> I don't give a fuck where you live. Then order, fucking order it online. And <laughs> thank you for tuning into our podcast. Good night, everybody. Bye.